0: Hurdekar, Havertz is on his way here, Alisson stops
1: him, Sadler scores!
2: Hello and welcome to Whatever the Weather, another Arsenal podcast. Listener, you join us on Monday the 5th of February following Arsenal's 3-1 victory over Liverpool at the Emirates. Um, I'm joined by Dan and by James. How are you guys doing? All good, matey. Excellent. James, I understand you were at the game yesterday.
1: You understand, right? You understand, Excellent. right? Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Uh, yes. I, 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 I was at the game yesterday. Um. Yeah, really, really good, really, really good. Mm. Excellent. A game we had to win, a must-win game. We spoke about it on the last pod. Absolutely. Um, yep. If if anything, I think we probably, I think uh, certainly from my point of view, were a little bit um, maybe nervous, or I don't know, didn't want to jinx it or whatever. We didn't. I don't think we over um, previewed this game. Um, which maybe we should have done. I don't know because it it was a huge game. It, the season basically rested on that. I think if we hadn't, if we didn't win that game, and, and Dan said this at the time, yeah, we wouldn't be catching Liverpool. And I, I oh hell no, right. Mm. And look where we go from here. Who knows? And that we'll talk about that at length throughout this podcast. In life, in life, football, sport, everything, it's the journey, yeah. right? The destinations, the, the 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 brilliant bit at the end where you get to lift the trophy or whatever. You know, blah 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 blah. We all know that. Um, but the journey, um, we are we are taking part of the journey. It is not passed us by yet. No. We've got a ticket, we are on that train, it still rolls on.
0: Very profound, very profound. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I from what I heard from the TV, I mean, the atmosphere was on point, crowd was rocking, really got behind the team and team responded. I mean, I thought it was a fantastic performance. I mean, I don't really like looking at the stats, but if you look at look at some of the stats, Liverpool they had one shot on target the whole game, and that wasn't even the goal that they scored because we scored it for them. So to reduce, to reduce this great attacking Liverpool side to one yeah. shot on target, which, I think if, which, really if well I remember if so. I
2: remember rightly, is. Um, uh is fewer shots than um, than Forest managed uh, against us at the last game which yeah <laughs> says it.
0: Uh. It's crazy. For me where the game was won was in that midfield. Um we completely controlled that. We won that midfield battle quite handily thanks to Declan Rice but more importantly thanks to Jorginho as well who was he was unreal. And um James has mentioned it on the pod a few times I've mentioned it the midfield just looks better balanced with those two in it um with rice doing the leg work doing all the dirty work and Jorginho picking those passes through the lines they, they really complement each other and so i don't see how you don't pick those two going forward
1: yeah i thought you know what we um there was a, there was a point in the game where um at, at one all um the chant goes around the stadium stand up for the arsenal and you know what i i think that kind of encapsulates the whole thing because it was an occasion where we had to stand up um, and we did that. Um, people talk about the atmosphere and, you know, there was a lot of stuff on social media through the the earlier part of the week after the Forest game about, you know, we've got to bring the noise and we've got to get behind the team and the, the positivity, but you feed off what the, the players give you and the performances and some of the performances just haven't been great. We've, we've spoken all season about, you know, we haven't taken the handbrake off and we haven't been as fluid going forward, pressing from the front and so on and so forth. Um, we had a really strong performance against Liverpool in the Cup and that obviously set the blueprint and we we did that again yesterday. We lived up to those standards and produced, I think, a fantastic performance over the 97 or so minutes it was, um, barring, I think, the first three or four minutes of the second half, um, where I think we looked a little bit sluggish. I generally thought we were we were really, really good the whole game. Sorry, like if I pause a lot, by the way, it's because my voice is absolutely gone because I was shouting my head off. Um, you know, um, but, um, and the vocal cords aren't as good as they were when I was a young man, but you know what? Um, <laughs> it's fine, man.
2: We've all, we've all been to, there. About don't the worry. I mean... up, what we were do, <laughs>
1: um, the news that Gabriel Jesus wasn't going to be even on the bench, you know, not in the squad was, um, you know, you, you thought, well, there's a lot of big players missing. Obviously, Mo Salah didn't play, um, for Liverpool, Darwin Nunes only made the bench for them, and um, I think he had a, a toe injury or something. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of stuff going on. Obviously, we got the news that Thomas Partey, who will he ever play for Arsenal again? Who knows? Um, has aggravated his his in his long standing injury, so he's going to be out um further. Um but looking at the team, obviously we brought Jorginho in, big game player. We were calling for that on the last podcast, um, that how he kind of frees Declan Rice up to go and chase everything and be that kind of um really competitive player rather than just be sat as a as a sit in six in the DM role and I think with with Jorginho that got that balance right. Um and then we picked Kai Havertz through the middle. Um we said on the last pod, you know, no one would be calling for Eddie and Ketia to start this Liverpool game. Um and it's clear obviously Mikhail was listening because he didn't consider that either. Um I think it just goes to show though with the, with the squad, as I said we had the blueprint from the Liverpool FA Cup game where Kai Havertz played through the middle and I thought generally <laughs> His all round mm. game was good. And I think it was, was the same yesterday. Um, the chance that led to the Saka goal, he, he's he got to score that really. Um, but, but his work rate was really good. He, he played that false nine role really, really well. Um, and, and yeah, and I think just the lineup, um, as I said, I, I was worried without having Gabriel Jesus, but I felt like there was a lot of energy in the team. Um, I thought there was a lot of technical ability in the team, and they 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 really from from the first whistle they really came out the blocks flying with that high press, and I thought it was some of the football we played in that first half. I mean, look, I don't want to get into the negativity bit of it just now, but we could have we we had enough half chances and openings that with the the right final ball, the right movement in the box, um, I, I I think if we'd gone in at half time fawning up, that wouldn't have, have flattered us. Genuinely, I really thought we played absolutely outstandingly well. Um, Here's Diaz, beyond Saliba, and Schutter watched it over the line. It's a mess of a goal. Yeah, we 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 gifted we gifted obviously Liverpool um, an equaliser before half time, and that kind of left things a bit flat. But I thought the first half, the as said, the, the performances from the team were were absolutely superb. I was. I was very pleasantly surprised that we kept that tempo up for the, for the whole half. I said making him way to the ground, it was. I, I really did feel like, oh God, without Gabriel Jesus, because he, I thought he played so well against Nottingham Forest. Um, goal was a bit fortuitous, but we all we've spoken at length about what he brings to the team. I really thought where we struggled for goals that we would um, we would really miss him.
2: Yeah, and also he. Tra- I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, Arsenal did like a training session at Emirates Stadium the night before the game, and Jesus was there. So I think that's partly right. why I, I was a bit surprised that he didn't start. So was it one of those when you're on the route to the stadium and you, the you know, the team news pops up on your phone and you're like, where is he?
1: <laughs> yeah, actually, <laughs> well, I, I just, yeah, I just yeah. arrived at the pub because uh, um, the Man United game is on and you obviously get the little ticker that goes along the bottom with the Sky with with the, with the yeah, lineups. Yeah, yeah. So initially I thought, okay, well, he's gone with habits up top because of the FA Cup game. And up the off the bench or whatever, and then when you look at your phone and you see it, and he was he completely missed out. And like you say, they did. There was some pictures emerged yesterday morning of them out for their like pre-match walk. They do a bit of a walk round, and um, and he was in that as well. He was pictured there, so uh, I don't know. Right. I don't know what the injury was. It was I heard it's it, he's aggravated his knee again, which is a bit of a worry. Obviously, as we go towards the back end of the season, um, but hopefully nothing too serious. Yeah. Well. Um, mikel
0: said it before the forest game that he had fluid on his knee and um ah, he got true. it drained and he was just really eager to get playing because obviously he's missed so much time and i think he just wants to play as much as he can which you know is commendable but it just means he missed the liverpool game so yeah um i'm not sure yeah when i when i saw the lineup i, I thought it was fine i was happy with it um, with no Jesus it's unfortunate but as I said I saw Havertz in the well against City as well and um, and in the FA Cup he did a job as, as that nine and I just figured if we started the same way we did in that FA Cup game we'd be fine you know you just got to put it on them because they have got a bit of a soft uh, middle mm. um, uh, d- defensively Kanate and Van Dijk are really good of course but that midfield, McAllister's not that defensive number six that's going to break up play or anything like that. Um, so I figured if we won that midfield battle, which we did, we'd, we'd make chances, and we did. And um, yeah. that first half was fantastic and ne- nearly perfect until we gave him that goal. Um, our first goal was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Taking the press, slicing them open. All it needed, it first time finish of Havertz would have
2: Yeah, mate, I know, I know. I was like, the, it was, it was a wonderful, uh, well, it was a series of, of passages of play uh, building up to that. And
0: he went on to his right foot, which yeah, that's not his strongest foot. And Allison is great at coming off his line, and he closed the space pretty well. But you got a favour the striker there, and unfortunately, he didn't put it in. Luckily, it fell for Saka, who stuck it in. Um, And yeah, we were absolutely fine cruising. They barely laid a, didn't lay a glove on us at all. And then um, the goal we conceded. You messaged in the group saying that's Raya's fault. We were quite adamant it was Saliba's fault.
2: So and actually, I've uh, after that, I've I've rewatched that a good few times. Mm. And yeah, yeah, you're 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 right.
1: (laughs) Hands
2: hands up, I was wrong. Hands up, I was wrong. But. James, I wanted to say, uh, as you were there, what was the sort of mood like when that goal went in? Uh, The the incredibly, uh, yeah. I mean, look,
1: let's be honest. I mean, we we've kind of spoken a lot, um, you know, maybe not on the podcast, but amongst the three of us about you know the atmosphere in the ground, and um, I know there's a lot of stuff on social media. A lot of people were very upset. Um, and rightly so that the Ashburton army had their allocation cut. There's been issues with the ballot and terms with of getting the T-fos tickets as and stuff well. Like, like, yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. With the tickets. And there's been a lot of things where the club felt like they had a really, well, I know a lot of fans felt that they really changed and shifted gears with the atmosphere last season. And then this year they kind of had their wings clipped a little bit.
2: It does um, seem that way, doesn't
1: it? But yeah. I, I thought that look, let's be honest, everyone in that crowd or the vast majority of Arsenal fans in that crowd were well aware of how big and how important that game was. And then, you know, Sunday four thirty. It's it's the perfect time. You know, everyone's got time to have a drink and get some tea, yeah, yeah, yeah. relax. No one, the majority of people aren't working, and you know, you can really kind of it can ramp up, and 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 it did. And obviously, it relied on us starting well, which we did. Um, you know, there was a few hairy moments. I'm not going to lie, and, and the hairy moments weren't necessarily chances, but we we often we take risks with passing the ball around the back. There was one where David Raya, you know, if he was a millisecond slower with getting rid of the ball, you know, you could see Diego Jota closing him down and knocking it in. You know, There's a lot of stuff like that. Even even in the build-up to the goal, Saliba let the ball run across his body and then flicks at the outside of his foot onto the left. Yeah. Um. And then mm. Gabriel takes a touch inside, and that touch inside where he shifts the body weight of the player, that's where it's like, right, no, got half a yard, boom. And then we get the overlap on the left-hand side, and that's, and you know what, I just wanted to give while we're talking about the, the first half goal, I mean, it's, it's such a shame that one of our players, we, we spoke about Gabriel Jesus being out, and it seems like Zinchenko, we knew he was always, always going to be a bit of a 75-minute sort of player, and it seems worrying now that he can't really get over this calf injury that, that's troubling him a lot. But that, that show, that show to me, highlights him at his best, because he got the ball on the touchline, he cuts inside, he makes something happen, he's such an attacking full Yeah, I mean, he's number 10 by trade, isn't he? That, that, that well, well, this moved, is it. If you could, it's back, not but...
2: really a full <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Uh yeah. But that kind of that kind of bit of play. And you know what? One of the things that we'd spoken about on the podcast was getting Gabriel Martinelli closer to the goal. But the other thing that's really important with him is we've got to get him in positions where he can utilize his biggest asset, which is his pace and his direct running. Um he was scintillating yesterday. Absolutely scintillating. In the, and, and look, there's a lot of um Talking in the football world about Trent Alexander-Arnold, he can't defend, he can't defend, he just wants to attack. He was playing so far forward yesterday, like a right winger, That that is not that he's just decided I don't want to defend, he's been told to do that. Like, yeah. he's been, he his positional, his coach has told him, Jürgen Lover said, you go and stand on the halfway line to pin them back. Um, and it was similar with the left back, because, um, Quite often, Curtis Jones was dropping into that hole. So they, Liverpool, you know, a lot of teams are trying this inverted fullback stuff and, and going into midfield. But Liverpool left that space open and Gabriel Martinelli we must have been absolutely licking his lips because that ball in behind Canate was on every single time and he had the beating of him. You know, look, Canate's a top player and, and ultimately he ended the game getting sent off and that, to me, he didn't want it. Huh. He didn't want that sauce. Martinelli was at his, at his peak. He's one of the best young or under 23 year old uh wingers in world football. You know, we've said before on this podcast about how him and Saka have to kind of get their levels up if we're gonna have any chance of doing anything meaningful this season. Um and yeah Martinelli he's like our you know our main focal point of the attack last year in terms of goal output him and him and Martin Odegaard really carried that charge and I just thought yeah he was he was superb and as yeah. I said it was that opening down that left hand side that that created the space for Kai Havertz, as Dan says, you know he cut him on his right-hand side, um, which is not his favoured foot. He obviously tried to make the angle, but I think that extra touch allows Alisson to get set. Um, and the finish, he didn't hit it with great conviction. I think he's he lacks a bit of confidence in that role, which is strange because his overall game was played with quite a high level of confidence, I thought, a lot of the stuff that he was doing. Because even in the move to that goal, there's a good video that uh, Tifo have done where it highlights how Kai Havertz drops back into into a midfield position into the 10 and then springs forward with the classic false nine play. But yeah, it fell to Saka one nil up, absolutely superb. And yeah, the ground obviously erupted and from there on. It was, it was really, really positive. But I think the, the tone was set by the team, the high press, the team were doing, they, they bought the energy. They knew as a team that if you've really got any chance, if you want to be in the, the, the the conversation, or as I said, the, the journey of, of of trying to go for a title, you had to win that game. And, um, yeah, the players played like it. And it was a superb first half. So disappointing with the goal before half time. Um For me, um, and we'll talk about this again. But Well, uh, again, like just number going back one, to what,
2: what Dan said. Rule number of...
1: one for a defender is mm. don't let it bounce in your own box or, yeah. or don't take chances. And he's trying to usher it back to the goalkeeper. And it just, yeah.
2: Yeah. It was, uh, well, from where I was watching uh, the pub, it was, yeah, it was quite disappointing. You sort of... Because it felt, and you sort of alluded to this, James, is that we we played really well in that first half, and uh, my mate just turned to me and was like, "Well, we kind of und- we've we've kind of undone all the good work we did." I was like, "Yeah, maybe." I mean, it just it was just very unfortunate. Um,
1: yeah, but... and you know what? When because I went straight down uh, to the concourse after that goal, and I think a lot of people were thinking, "Well, shit, Liverpool." Everyone knows that Liverpool are a second half team. We thought, yeah. here we go. We've let them off the hook. How typical! Typical Arsenal. We've we've shot ourselves in the foot. There was talk even at halftime. There was talk. A couple of people that I got chatting to. Um, straight away, we don't have a striker. We're not clinical enough. We've not taken our chances. We've left the back door open. They've got in, and now we're going to get <laughs> done. And it was that kind of, and you can you can feel that kind of, um, I don't know, rec- uh narrative is is there in the yeah. back of Arsenal fans' minds, you know. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, after
0: that goal that we conceded, I thought second half, we have to get back at it. And we started the second half really sluggish. And that did concern me then because um, I thought Liverpool could go on and take control. Um, fortunately, we, our press was unbelievable. There were long periods of that game where Allison and Van Dijk and Kanate had the ball and they could not progress it forward because Odegaard was covering the space really well. Havertz yeah. was going really well and they just couldn't get out. They could not. And um, I thought, yeah, we were fantastic. Um, you know, all game with that. Um, as I said, reduced them to barely anything. Um, yeah. yeah. I, and yeah, it, I thought yeah. it was in the midfield where we won it. And yeah. Um, Yeah, I was so pleased because, as you said, James, it was a must-win. You don't win that game. You're not closing that gap. It was as simple as that. And so, fucking right, I'm going to celebrate closing the gap. (laughs) Now we're only two points behind Liverpool, and we're in it. We're in it. it. We're not going anywhere. No. I mean, don't get me wrong, we'll probably go away to West Ham and lose and it'll be completely pointless. And Oh my God, you're the third person to say that to <laughs> me today. The third person. No, I genuinely... No, well, I I don't... We start
1: talking about West Ham. We're not, we're not there yet. We're not there I'm yet. We're not there yet. I'm going to enjoy everyone this I'm going to exactly because I thought... I'm only joking. If we're I'm only joking. So I'm going to jump in and say, um, so halftime comes and goes. Obviously, we've, we've continued to go. We're one all. We've had a really strong half. Um, get back to your seat, and number 35 is going to be replaced by number 15, Jack of Oh, Chuyo. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: And I, I was like, oh no, because Liverpool are going to put someone on him. You know, he's not that convincing at left back. Um, yeah. The team's going to be hampered a little bit in the build up and whatever. And it, it didn't happen. It didn't no, happen. No, the boy did well, man. The boy
2: yeah, did it made well.
1: no, well, the fact that I yeah. think your reaction there was probably that you, you'd even forgotten that change had even happened. You know, and that that's that. Is, is praise in itself, really. Yeah. Um, as Dan I, mean, I, said, I did as Dan I did notice the, it, actually. The, like, the, the, but, press, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the press from um, Martin Odegaard was sensational. He set the tone. It was backed up by Declan Rice. Declan Rice was free to, because we picked Jorginho, Jorginho sort of patrolled the middle and allowed Declan Rice to kind of be the guy that was go, leaving his area, going to press and engaging in, in one of Declan Rice's biggest attributes is how he covers ground. Um and he was just he was freed up to do that. And I and I think for me, um, you know, alluding to what we said earlier about Thomas Party being injured, and we joke that he might never play for us ever again, which I think there actually is a distinct possibility that may happen. Um, I really think the blueprint for the rest of this season is Jorginho and Rice as a pivot in central midfield with with Odegaard ahead of them. Um I think it's a really nice balance. I think it's high energy, high press. Um Jorginho, I think yeah. was I mean, look. Will you? Legit, I mean, look, do you know? I just do it right now. Georgino yeah. was sensational. He was the best player on the pitch. I'm. I didn't. You know, watching him in the ground, I was like, yeah, I can understand why. At one point, he was, you know, third in the Ballon d'Or, and he had that. He was so influential for Italy, and obviously with with Chelsea and all that sort of stuff, and how good he was for Napoli as well. But this is a guy. He's so press resistant, but his leadership off off the ball, pulling players around, moving things around. He was. Uh, really intelligent game. He old manned Ryan Gravenberch. You know, people talk about Ryan Gravenberch as one of the best young midfield prospects in world football. And Jorginho just completely over-dominated him by playing with his brain. It was just a really clever, clever... Um, you know, it reminds me of... You see the little comps on YouTube of Sergio Busquets or Xavi and mm. <laughs> uh, even Andrea Pirlo, where they've got that, the brain is just moving quicker than everybody else. Yeah, um, And that's what Jorginho was doing. He he kept the tempo. His his passing was always, for the majority, was always forward, very incisive. Um, as I said, it freed up Declan Rice to go and be the absolute, the destroyer and chasing everything around. Um, yeah, that press. And we, we got going. I think, as, as Dan said, we had a sluggish, three, four, maybe five minutes of the, of the second half, where probably there was a little bit of a dip. I think, you know, fans at the Emirates, they like a, a half-time drink, particularly in club level. Um, yeah. And they're a bit slow to get back to their seats or whatever. And um, I don't know. It was a little bit flat that first few bit, uh, first few minutes, obviously considering the goal just before half-time, the news of Zinchenko's um, substitution. But look, from that point onwards... We we really just kicked up and we we never really let up. We we were full throttle. Um, yeah, yeah. I heard something on on the radio this morning. They were doing they were summarising the league games and they were saying that um, before our second goal, which was very similar to the goal that that Liverpool, I maybe, was actually, to Liverpool, literally about to come um, onto that. But yeah, Danny yeah. <laughs> Kelly, who is a Tottenham fan, but actually one that I do respect. I I, I appreciate him for a, as a broadcaster they they were saying they thought Liverpool were on top at that point in the game. Um mm. and I couldn't believe that. I, I I didn't think at any point um was I worried or concerned that Liverpool were on top. I thought they were getting back in the game. Yeah. Um and I thought after half time they looked like they were stepping up a bit. But I thought we we you know they set that bar, we rose to it and and I thought we were the aggressors going forward. Um, it's yeah. crazy because as as I said with the salivable, you know, you don't let the ball bounce. You attack it, you clear it. I can't believe that Van Dyke's let that ball drop over his shoulder and man, not just I was gonna. Away.
2: I wanted to um, ask you about that because I've watched that a few
1: times, right? I did um did Allison touch the ball? I think Allison. Not well. I. I, I don't. I actually. No, I, I've watched it a I mean, few he, times, and I don't like think he, he did.
2: Like, but I just. Well, think no, this is, is really ball. funny. He misses. He misses his volley um then also van dyke it sort of seems like i'm no but honestly i've watched it a good few times and i'm like
0: mate i I swear i swear
2: none of them touched the ball oh dan dan tell us
0: what happened yeah so what happened was van dyke was running back allison comes rushing out martinelli nudges van dyke in the back towards allison so as allison's trying to volley van dyke gets in his way allison pulls out of the kick because van dyke's there fall straight into the path of Martinelli. So um Dan that then, sounded Carson...
1: suspiciously like you were in um in the VAR room there, nudging the back. I thought it that right. was a good old fashioned bit of shoulder to shoulder play yeah. there. Nothing wrong with it, that at it, all. No, it was,
2: <laughs> it was in the back. But Dan Dan the point the question was did did Allison touch the ball? No.
0: Because I don't think he did. No he didn't. So it and Van Dyke Dijk- I mean, went to volley it, but Van Dyke got in the way, and it Van Dyke didn't Dijk. touch the ball either. It, it hit Van Dyke. Oh, yeah. Okay. And went yeah, back yeah. into Martin. It was all a little bit of a
1: scuff. I mean, look, it was so mad. Like, I mean, who been- was who? Who?
2: um Part of the reason I was asking that was like, well, if none of them touched it, who? 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 uh Who was the assist?
0: I think it should have been Gabriel because he's the one that played ball <laughs> over the top. That's
2: right. Exactly. That's what, exactly what I was but, saying. Like,
0: unfortunately, because it, <laughs> it hit Van Dyke and <laughs> went into But
2: dude, like, um, that's, that's the thing. Like, because I watched it a few times, and I was like, if neither player touched it, then should that's a Gabrielle assist over? Like, you know, and that's 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 amazing. Um, the, the, the way
0: the ball was traveling, yeah, it had yeah, to hit a player to fall into Martinelli's path. Otherwise, it would have just yeah, would have just gone off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, fantastic.
2: I, I, I know that Gabriel is skilled, but I didn't realize that he can, you know, play with, you know, mess with the laws of physics. But
0: I don't know. He played some passing, in. I think it was in, was in the first half where he's slight, like he's meant to do it. He's come across the ball down the line to Martinelli, and it's kind of got a bit of spin back on it as well, and it's gone straight into his path. I was like, all right, mate. Yeah, not too shabby. Not too shabby, but yeah, um, not at all. No, but, Gabriel was fantastic as well. Uh, he's yeah. been fantastic all season. Um the Ogol yes, is yes. obviously very unlucky, he has got nothing to do with him. He's yeah. just trying to get back and well the, it, I mean again,
2: I've again I've watched that a few times and um when it hits uh well it had to you know it wouldn't have gone in if it hadn't have hit uh Gabriel's hand. But one yeah. of the in that sort of split second like you see Jota just standing behind like it's right there it's come off mm. his hand it's a penalty and I'm like that goes in the goal and you're like well yeah okay fine but i love that i love that that players are sort of attuned to this they're like oh it's hit his hand it doesn't matter if it's going into the goal it's hit his hand so you know well yeah there was still a chance call the
0: call the foul you know <laughs> like yeah, yeah it yeah, was yeah. rolling back Gabriel might have got back and cleared it but it was obviously the pace on it was too much but as I said, they went into half time at one one without having a shot on target. It was like, oh, it's like, what?
2: I actually think decisions. it was also a lot about creating space. I, like, oh, absolutely, there was yeah. there was I, a, I, there I, were I, lots um... of points in that game, and I was like, wow, like you're the, Liverpool, you're giving us a lot of space um, that we can move into, and and they didn't. That's evident from uh, from the first goal. Um, you know that little sort of you know kind of tactical masterpiece. Um, I don't know the third goal. Just if I if I made like when we were talking about the the Trossard goal, uh, we we also spoke about um we spoke about Kivior um, um who assisted Trossard's oh, oh. goal. <laughs> it it was <laughs> Kivior. Like it was Kivior. He 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 played his role really well. <laughs> you know, he really did. I, I'm. I'm not lying when I said I've am not lying when I said I watched the highlights of this game about five or six times. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but you know what? I'm like that anyways. I'm especially like that when I want to go to games. When I when I go to games, I'll come back and I'll watch the highlights about probably about ten times. Just that um partly because of that difference between being in the stadium and watching it, um watching it on TV. And and James, that's kind of why I was asking you about asking about what the you know what it was what the experience was like with the, when the goals went in because i don't know there's something really weird about that it was, it was like this sort of weirdly less jeopardy when you're watching it in the stadium on tv it's you seem so it seems so abstract you seem quite detached from it um and in some ways i think that stresses you out more
1: the game in general yes because obviously the tv cameras follow the ball Yes. So you don't that's get a perspective true. of the pitch. So yeah, you yeah. think everything's a lot more intense than it actually is was in the ground where I sit, you see the fullness of the pitch. And actually you because of the dimensions, you realise that someone on the edge of the box, although the Arsenal crowd have an annoying habit of shouting, Shoo
2: Yeah. Everyone gets
1: their ball twenty five yards from goal, the the you know, it's a long way out. It's a long way out, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. So, absolutely. And, and it's not easy to smash a ball in the the top corner from that yeah. range. So um, yeah, there's a bit of a less worry there that someone's going to just do a, have a moment of of, of magic, but um, <laughs> no. Where I was going with my previous uh, speech rant ramble, it's previous, I, uh, I, I, yeah, I yeah. thought that I I was going <laughs> to say I think that's the best performance we played this season by far, um, and I thought it was the best performance we played probably for about a year. Um, all ends up, I, I, I thought we we're absolutely magnificent, um, and I and I did think at the time uh in the ground yesterday and I, well, look, we got a bit of fortune with the second goal um and then the third goal was the kind of the garbage time winner when obviously they've got a man down and Trossard just nicks the ball in front and then you know he's through and, and look great finish but it went straight through Alisson you don't see that happen too often um it was so a deflection it, it,
0: though it,
1: yeah but i mean even That's still yeah. even still though you don't see that very often but you take that fortune when it comes you know we've been on the end of that more times than I ever care to remember, so you know, it added a little bit of to the performance. But why not? Why not at three-one? But I did think, I did think that um, before that second goal goes in and we retook the lead, I did think there is a striker-based hole in this team because we create so many good openings and we work the ball so well, and we move it and we press and all that sort of stuff. And I think that I've I've never been that down at Ian Ketia. I think he's a brilliant backup striker to have. He's a he's a great finisher. He's come through the ranks. He's just not the profile of what Mikel wants a striker to be or what this team needs. He's a goal poacher who's going to rely on loads of service. And what we need is either an all-round false nine or we need a physical presence who's going to be the bulldozer. Um, We've got options in that false nine role. Kai Havertz, um, I think, brings something unique to it. Gabriel Jesus, I think, obviously brings something unique to it or, or different. And then Leandro Trossard brings something to it. And I think certainly for the remainder of the season, you know, Trossard's one of our best finishers. He's got a real eye for goal. We've got to find a way of getting him in the team because where the goals have gone a little bit out of from from uh, Erdegaard, Saka, and Martinelli, we can't afford to have a a natural goal scorer on the bench just coming on, you know, t- towards the end of games. So I think that's something to look for um, as the season progresses. Um, and and that's not me being negative at all. But I do think that if we get a real, and I, everyone else is it, a world-class striker, I don't know who that is, but it looks like it's going to be even Tony or Victor Oshiman. I mean, I'll, from what I've seen of Ivan Tony, that physical presence will give us something different and it will give us a focal point. And I do think, while I've had question marks over his temperament, and I think, I don't, look, I don't think we will ever, even when we, if we get to the end of the season and we don't win the league and it goes down to, fucking goal difference or it's three points, whatever. I don't think, it, but I don't think well, we've won the league on goal difference before, but I don't think it's ever going to be. I don't think we're in a position where we can turn around and say, well, if we bought even Tony in January, because that just wasn't on the cards. Let's be honest. He's come up from his ban. It That was just never going to happen. Um, and we couldn't have bought him last summer because of the ban and all that sort of stuff. But I do see like, again, with, you know, we spent we a lot of time on this podcast talking about the goalkeeping situation. And now it feels like we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the striking situation. But it is so obvious. It is so there in front of you. It's hard not to talk about it. But as I said, and I'm kind of to tie that point up, I think some of the options we've got up front with the false nine, I think that we, we've hit on something there. And sometimes some of the best changes in, in football are just it's sheer luck. Because if Gabriel Jesus doesn't get that knee injury, he starts. And maybe, and you know, history works in a different way. We play Kai Havertz in the left eight and not we don't bring Jorginho in. You know, I'm not saying that would have happened, but it might have happened. Um, and we've stumbled across something here that I think is a formula that just, it feels like it, the balance feels right. The balance feels right. I think we get the most out of Declan Rice. Because Declan Rice in the holding role, he wants to go and press and you know, use his attributes and he can't do that when he hasn't got a partner with him. I think you put Jorginho with him, it solidifies that. You give him a partner. They seem to be hitting it well on the pitch. They've got a bit of understanding there. You've got Erdegaard leads a high press as well. And then a false nine, if they can intertwine and you can start getting Erdegaard closer to the goal, which is what we spoke about before. That to me is, that's how we've got to go for the remainder of the season.
0: Yeah, so... I just want to pick up on a point. You mentioned trying to get Trossard into this team. Now, of course, Trossard is a great technical player, big fan of his. Um, but how do we go about doing that? And this season, when he has started, he hasn't been great. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, 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 he seems better as an impact sub, if I'm honest with you. Um, he offers something different. So when we do take off Martinelli, instead of that pure pace attacking that fullback, You've got someone else who cuts inside and gives that uh, fullback a different problem to deal with. Um, So, yeah, I I, I do take your point that, you know, um, you know, Trossard should be getting more minutes, but maybe not starting, because I feel like we do have a great setup when we start, but then, you know, he can come on and and do a job. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I I just, I would, I agree. I don't think he's been great he's been quite underwhelming actually this season when he has played Um, but has he been utilised in the best role would be my kind of question I think last season when we bought him from Brighton and he came into the team you think it was that run that Eddie and Nketiah had where the goal dried up a little bit um, and when Jesus was injured obviously after the World Cup and then Trossard came in it gave us something different um, oh, yeah, and, the absolutely, goal for and yeah. that's where I think that Trossard um, I think that we've got to try and go down that route again I think he's not a left eight um, no. Some of his performances were horrible earlier in the season. Um, in the Champions League games, he's played, he's been better, I'd say. Um, but he he th- I feel like the team are very the way this team's constructed and has been built so far, it really is in mind to kind of capitalise on our key players, which is the right thing. That's what a good manager does, right? You build your team around your best players. And it feels like we um we've really built around that um those two wide forwards in Saka and Martinelli, and when they're not there, the team just feels completely different. And and obviously the left eight thing, because we know how important Granit Xhaka was to the team, and that guy just crashing the box and you know being disruptive and playing vertical passes, and we, we spoke about that before as well. Um so the way I think the way the team's coming together, it relies on that, and Trossard is probably isn't the right profile to just plug and play with those guys. He 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 brings something no, different.
0: I take your point. Um, yeah I do take
1: it, but but it, but I mean, look. I will also turn around and say that if he doesn't play games and he is on the bench, it's because we're doing something right, right,
0: <laughs> right, right, right. You
1: know, yeah, exactly. It's it's because we're doing something right, and that's the same with Eddie and Ketia. You don't want Eddie and Ke- You want Eddie and Ketia to not play because you don't need him to play. You don't want to rely on those guys. And I think you said this before in podcast when we spoke about like um. Reece Nelson getting minutes or Emil Smith Rowe. Now, look, I've got an attachment to Smith Rowe. I think when the team was struggling, particularly uh, those weeks in December, um, we need to change it up and try something different. And I still, I still believe that. But ultimately, if Emil Smith Rowe can't get games because someone in front of him is playing better, then that's that's football. Yeah, that's how it works. Um, and you know, because ultimately, that is what happened. You know, Smith Rowe was our starting left-sided player. Martinelli got in the team. And boom, he hasn't looked back, and that's kind of how it goes. Um, Nicola Pepe, his Arsenal career started and ended when Bukayo Saka got in the team. Yeah,
2: and you know? also this is not dissimilar to when we were talking about the ramsdale Raya thing, and uh, you know we're we're challenging for the title, aren't we? Because I think we are.
0: Um, of course, we're challenging for the title. <laughs> we are in the t- <laughs> we are in a title race. Yeah. With people like it or not, we are here. We're in a title race and we're competing. Whether we're going to win it or not, I don't know. Um, I don't know if we've closed the gap enough on City. Um, I I think we had to spend a lot of money to kind of stay still, like to maintain what we accomplished last season, which when I say accomplished, I'm not saying we won anything, but to finish, you know, second... I think we needed to spend money just to stay at that level because the other teams were going to improve. Obviously, Chelsea and United didn't, which is fantastic. But um, you know,
1: I just want to jump in and say we did achieve something last season. Don't be fooled by the media around you. <laughs> to go from fifth to second it was is, a big achievement. You yeah, know, automatic Champions League qualification at the start of that. At the start of last season, getting in the Champions League was a priority, and we did that, and we did that comfortably. And I agree with you. That's a brilliant point. We had to spend a lot to stand still. I completely agree.
0: Um, yeah. When I say accomplish, you know, I mean like getting over the line, but the fact that we were even in the race was an achievement in itself for us going from fifth, as you say. Mm. Uh, so I make you right on that. Um, but yeah, we're in this race. It's going to be hard. We still have to go away to city, which is going to be tough. Um, we still got to go away to spurs, which is going to be tough. Um, so we've still got some really hard running, but um, we're there, man. We just have to be consistent and take advantage of any slip-ups that may happen from City. Um, I know it doesn't happen very often, especially <laughs> part of the season. But yeah, yeah. you know, we just have to be there and mm. hopefully get over the line. Um, as I we said, to... yes, yeah, yeah, we need be to be.
2: Hard. We need to be there, and we need to and celebrate the hell out of the fact that we're there. Oh, Um, mate, I'm I'm
0: celebrating every single win from now to the end of the season. Absolutely. the fucking Champions League. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Anyone
2: who tells me otherwise can do one. Like, (laughs) (laughs) seriously do one.
1: I always feel like the celebration stuff is over-egged anyway. Um, But I really want to say, in terms of, uh, if the question, Graham, is are we in the title race? Absolutely, hell yeah, we are. Absolutely, yes, we are. Um, yep. And you know what? Because if we do lose to West Ham on Sunday, which, you know, is very possible, um, the media will soon tell us that we've bottled it and we're out of it. So, you know, you can't have it both ways. You're either in it or you're not in it. Um, we are two points off top. Um, look, City look ominous. Of course they do. You know, of course they do. Um, but we are absolutely in the title race. We had to win. It was a must-win game to give ourselves a chance, and we've done that. Um, it is... You know, it's exactly that. It, 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 I think at the moment we're we're in a position where with ourselves, Liverpool, Man City, we win every game, we're champions. That's what all three teams can say. Therefore, how can you not be in the title race? Okay. Now there's a long way to go. Obviously I'm not saying we're going to win 15 games on the trot yeah. to, to win the league. I really, I look, I absolutely, you know, with every fiber in my body would love that to happen. I don't think it will. Um, but you're telling me there's a chance, right? You know, and while there's a chance, there's a chance. And you know what? I'm going to say this. There are, I think 17 other clubs that cannot win the league. Now, mathematically they still can, but I'm telling you now, Man United are not going to win the league. Telling you now, (laughs) telling you now, Newcastle aren't going to win the league. I tell you now, Chelsea aren't, Aston Villa aren't, um, You know, those clubs, Tottenham (laughs) aren't, absolutely, yeah. They would all swap places with us in a heartbeat. They would all swap places with us. Every single one of them, right? That's absolutely right. Do not be fooled into this bullshit narrative that we've let something slip, whatever. Every team has a little wobble during the season. We've had ours. We've accumulated a lot of points without playing our free-flowing best. We're trying to find our feet. This is still a young team. It's still a growing team. I don't think anyone thinks that this is the peak point for this team yet. We're on a journey. Preach! Um, We're we're, we're negotiating. This is our first campaign back in the Champions League. So we're negotiating European football with the Premier League as well and sustaining the title charge. If we win the league this season, which I really, really obviously hope we do, it's a phenomenal achievement, right? Let's have it right. If we don't win the league this season... But we get back in the Champions League, and we've had a good run in the Champions League. I, we make the quarterfinal. That is not a bad season. That is still progress. Don't be fooled by all the haters outside. Oh, they ever celebrated their bottle jobs? said this, that, and the other? No, we are on a, our own journey. Man City are formidable. Look, they've 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 turned up to Brentford tonight and absolutely dismantled that team with ease. Um, that's what they can do. That's what they can do. We all know that. You know, if they win the league, it'll be four in a row. It'll be five out of the last six. You know it's been spoken extensively about how you know the Jurgen Klopp loving the one thing i will say for them is that he's posted seasons Liverpool they've got 92 96 and 97 points they've won the league once it shows you how high the bar is right last season did arsenal bottle it look i'm biased i think man city the man city won the fucking treble for god's sake yeah yeah you know, i don't you, i
2: don't think we it you know it.
1: i i find <laughs> i find all of that yeah we had a great opportunity Nonsense. last season but we were a young team and we 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 couldn't see it through. We couldn't. We couldn't have a ninety point, ninety two plus point pace and maintain that against a team that's been that's cost over a billion pounds to assemble, with arguably the best manager of his generation.
0: Yeah. So
1: you know I where really, we are is all right. I feel we like can't we can't wait are...
0: till City play Wrexham in League Two and they get relegated. And uh, well,
1: that's <laughs> a dream. But do you know what? It's it's all oh, those dude. things. If, yeah, yeah. If we... It doesn't. I'm not. Like, look, this is gonna be a soundbite. It doesn't matter if we don't win the league. Of course it does. Everything matters. But just being in the race means something. Yeah, yeah. And we are in the race. Look, dynamic absolutely right. We've got some really hard league games to come. You know, I think in terms of home league games, we've got Aston Villa uh, yet to play at the Emirates. Other than that, I think we've played most of the of the top six or the the uh, top six teams as they sit at the moment. Um, we've got to go to the Etihad, of course, which got a, a dreadful record there in the last ten years, like most teams do. Um, Old Trafford's always been a bit of graveyard for us. We've got to go to the toilet bowl. We've got West Ham on Sunday, which is always a very tricky game. You know, they've beaten us twice this season. Um, so nothing's taken for granted. We've we've, we've got some tough fixtures, but you know what? It's let's 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 go one game at a time. Let's focus on us. That and famous we'll, and that yeah, famous, absolutely, cliche. That famous cliche, but one game at a time. Let's <laughs> see what we set, and let's you know what? I really, really hope that this morning at London Colney, that the players were playing all those clips of, or if they were in today doing their recovery, if they were playing clips from Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville and everyone else piling in about the over-celebration and use that as fuel, you know, us against everybody else. Yeah, George, yeah. Old George Graham tactic so. because, yep. sorry, the hypocrisy of it absolutely stinks. It stinks. If Man United were in this title race and they were doing what we're doing right now, they'd be fucking dancing in the streets of Surrey you know, that's how they are. <laughs> right? Let's have it right. Here. Any other cover would, uh, would be the same. Too and, true, man. You know, I'm I'm sick of it. I'm sick of, of, of all of the the nonsense bullshit narrative. You know, Mikel Arteta celebrates a goal and it's oh, he's, he's getting carried away. He's a liability on the touchline, he's this, that, and the other. Um I'm Oh Klopp, if
2: Klopp does it, it's you, like, oh, he's just um Jurgen, there's know. a
1: lot of Liverpool people in the media. Jurgen Klopp must obviously have his mates in the media as well, because Jurgen Klopp, at the end of every game, he come, he makes this big thing of coming on the pitch and fist pumping the fans. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah that. love to see their passion. You know, he come running on the pitch when the game was fucking going on. When when Liverpool got a winner against Everton a couple of years ago, you know, he's he's always been like that. I know he, that was his. He was a bit of a caricature of that at Dortmund. You know, the crazy, you know, the heavy metal football, all that kind of stuff. Um,
0: wasn't he like the only manager that literally pulled his hamstring celebrating while shouting at the fourth yeah, official, by the way, just, which you're allowed to do, apparently. You can yeah. scream at the fourth official's face while running at him and pulling your hamstring. But
1: the nah. amount of times, the amount of times he's berated uh, assistant referees, a fourth officials, people in the media, he's, it goes about kickoff times, all this sort of stuff. And it's just, Ooh, it's yeah, 12.30 is, yeah, 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 you know, and I get he's on the farewell tour, so probably he's getting, the, he's getting all the good stuff now. But it, it, this is not a Mikel Arteta issue. This is not a Mikel Arteta. This is an anti-Arsenal issue. Let's have it right. <laughs> yeah. This is an Anti-Arsenal issue. This is, <laughs> this is people in the media that hated Arsenal when they were players. Jamie Carragher for a fucking 50p into the East End when, 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 he, when he got sent off against Arsenal in the FA Cup in 2002. You know, he got rinsed by Thierry Henry for the majority of his career. You know, he's embarrassed. He's yeah. embarrassed. It's Im- um, embarrassing. um <laughs> Yeah, say the line. Um it's embarrassing. Yeah, he, he was embarrassed by Arsenal. He's he uh, said he had sleepless nights playing against Thierry. Not the only defender in the world who who had that, but mm. he, he obviously had that feeling there. Um, you know, this is a guy who's talking about it. it's embarrassing to over celebrate, who thinks it's acceptable to flip him, as I said, for a point into the crowd, and gob at a teenage girl when you're driving down the M six. You know, not sure he can be uh, really giving lectures on on standards of decency and behaviour. Um, Gary Neville, well, we hated him as a player. I think as a pundit, he's he's very one-eyed anyway. He's, he's very northern centric, like most of the media are. Uh, honestly, fuck them all. Honestly, <laughs> fuck them all.
0: Um, they know what they're doing, man. they you know, they're doing it on purpose, and it's too you know, get the Arsenal fans to bite. It creates content. It creates interaction. And that's what these, you know, what Sky Sports want, what Talk Sport wants. Whenever they talk about the Arsenal, ratings through the roof, interactions through the roof. And Arsenal fan base, they're the worst at biting it. I mean, don't get me wrong, defend your club and stuff like that. But we got to realise that's what they're after. They're doing it on purpose. And it's to get us to disagree with them you know as soon as something said about the arsenal it becomes viral and everyone jumps on it yeah and um and we're we doing it was... right now exactly the fact <laughs> that we're talking about it now because jamie carrigar and gary neville said we over celebrated too much it, it, it you know we're now talking about it yeah um as, as james said fuck them because we'll celebrate how we want to celebrate and um That's the whole enjoyment of football, right? Celebrating goals, winning games.
2: Otherwise, what is the fucking point? (laughs) Like, really? Like, that's it. What's the fucking point? Yeah,
0: I just feel like as a fan base, sometimes we're also a bit too oversensitive. And I just feel like, don't worry about what other people say. We care too much. It's like, we need to earn, like, we want the respect that we deserve. Fuck them.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah you're saying basically ultimately we should just ignore
0: it it's as changes it's us against them it's us against the world mate we should have that siege mentality fuck everyone else and go and win this league because that will be the biggest thing to piss them off it won't be us celebrating goals it will be us winning the league and that will fuck off everyone and we can bask in that glory so win the league show them what's what and fucking do it
1: simple as Amen. I mean, I just, I do, you know, my, my, I suppose my final thought on it would be how much better did it feel this morning to wake up as an Arsenal fan?
0: Mate, it was glorious. Yeah, you it's know, glorious.
1: We put in a sensational performance. Don't let's get it twisted. Let's not have the narrative moved anywhere else. We put in a sensational performance against the team that are currently being tipped to win the league amongst a plethora of other cups that they're in. Um, <laughs> and here we are. And we dismantled them. We absolutely dismantled them. That was a demolition job. Okay, yeah, it, it, you know, we can talk about the goals and this, that, and there's always a bit of fortune. There's fortune in every fucking football match. It is what it is. Um, I thought we were magnificent. The ground was absolutely pumping. Um, three wins on a trot. We go into a big derby against West Ham. We've got, you know what, we owe them one. We, we owe them one big time. We've lost them twice this we season. Owe them, we owe them a few. Um <laughs> <laughs> we've lost some spice this season, so they've had their little celebration after the, you know, Declan Rice. Um, I need
0: a monster Declan Rice performance. I need well, a this monster. is it. I
1: They're I just it
0: really at the Emirates against the them. Emirates.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I make you right. I think the Emirates game you probably tried a little bit too hard. I think mm. we said I said earlier on. I think we've got the blueprint for the rest of the season. How I want us to see us set up. Um, same again against West Ham. That high intensity. If if we play, if we play the football we played yesterday, for the remainder of the season. We will win the majority of the games that we play. Oh not not, okay. I didn't want to go and say James. Did
2: James just make a bold statement?
0: Like, oh no, I thought he was gonna go somewhere different with it. He went, (laughs) We will win, and I thought he was gonna go the league, but you know what? I'm
1: gonna say this. I I look, I know what it's gonna take to, to beat to beat Man City, but I'm telling you now, we play the way we played yesterday. Whether we can do it for 15 more games, I don't know. And with the Champions League, but if we can, fellas, we got a real chance. A real, real chance. A real, real chance. I mean, look, we we need people to stay. Look, we know (laughs) to overhaul this billionaire backed 115 charges, be them off. We need the stars to align. And it didn't quite match up last season. Maybe they will this season. Who knows? But that's we're, we're we're in with a chance. I said let me we, we move on to West Ham on Sunday. Um, hopefully there's no fresh injuries. I think there's no suspensions in the team, so we can we can hopefully go again. Whether Zinchenko starts or not, it's probably going to be um up for debate. But look, I can go, feel, feel confident in the team. As I said, I know that West Ham are a decent team, but I know if we play to our levels, we beat them. We beat them. Um, and we've set the standard now, and we've just got we've got to maintain it and show the bollocks that I know that this club and this group of players have got. They've bounced back from adversity before. Um, the season they came fifth, you know, when we we had the Champions League was in our grasp. You know, we suffered those really bad defeats at Tottenham and Newcastle. And we bounced back the following season to have a really strong season and come second. I don't look at it as we bottled the league. I look at it as we had a storming season to come through and get second place. This season, we haven't shot our load in the first half of the campaign. I like to think we've kept something in reserve. You know, we've ticked along nicely, we've accumulated <laughs> accumulated points. We've accumulated points. You can play play the music in the background. I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready. Yeah. I can feel it. I can feel it. Something's bubbling up. Um, you know, <laughs> we've we've positioned ourselves, we've we've always spoken about it. It's not about what you do in September and October, it's where you are in April and May. And I think if we can position ourselves that we can have a run it in April and May, something special can happen. I believe in this team, I believe in the group of players, I believe in Mikel. In the words of uh, photographer Stuart, who got his picture taken off the game, I fucking love this football club.
0: Thanks for listening to Whatever the Weather, another Arsenal podcast. If you didn't think we were talking absolute nonsense and want to hear more from us, you can follow us on social media at Twitter and Instagram at WTW1985 or simply search Whatever the Weather.